Welcome back to Pastor's Prophecy Hour, your midweek installment of the Greater Life Church podcast. I'm Landon, and I'm excited to be back for season two of Pastor's Prophecy Hour. I'm here today with Pastor Andrew to talk about this first episode of season two. Pastor Andrew, what are we going to be talking about in this episode? Well, Landon, I really have missed this podcast, and so I'm excited to be back. We're starting on a lighter topic, the Mandela Effect. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Yeah, where you remember something different than it actually is. Yeah, one of the most primary examples is where we're going to start this thing in Chick-fil-A and have a little bit of fun with that. And then we get into 2 Peter chapter 2. Also going to talk about monkeypox, believe it or not, and how that lines up with Scripture. Topping it all off with this idolatry that is literally all over the world in symbols that you may be surprised to hear about. Mm, Interesting. Well, let's get into it. All right. Thanks, Landon. So it's been quite a few weeks that um, we've been together in Pastor's Prophecy Hour, and and I'll kind of tell you that in the beginning— when I would prepare for this class, typically I'd get sources and information from all these places and then the Holy Spirit supernaturally would go and give you, give you, me, you some structure. So I need to apologize on the front end. We are structureless tonight, but we're going to talk about some things. Amen? Let me start with what I feel like the goal of Pastor's Prophecy Hour is... Uh, I don't want to go to the outer stretches of weirdness. I don't want to either go into this political spectrum and talk about specific world leaders unless it's important and unless they do something that lines up in some kind of way with prophecy, and there is some of that. I don't want to do numerical gymnastics to say divide this by that and that's the number of this and that's the number that represents that and while there's there is room for numerology and there are people that are very good at it i have learned that you can do that and get anything you want with enough numerical gymnastics you with me and that's what got the jehovah's witnesses in trouble picking dates which we know that is a cult and so i do not want to walk down that path amen However, I believe there's enough in Revelation, there's enough in Daniel and Ezekiel, Isaiah, Zechariah, and and beyond, where we can unpack these things and look at our world. I believe that there's enough that Jesus said. Thank you, brother. There's enough in there. Now, let me also preface that to say the evil of our day is different than any other evil of any other day. It's further away from God's original plan. And the further we get away from God's original plan, the harder it is for us to see clearly, especially when we're not people of the Spirit. So I want to tell you all of that, and I want to give you this encouragement, that use discernment, study, read, learn about prophecy, about end times on your own, yet use discernment, because what you'll find yourself doing sometimes is running after the latest headline that says, for example, Israel is now moving to a cashless system. That's, that's a headline, and that's true. 
Yet what they said is, is that you can only do transactions of under $1,700 in cash without being taxed. I mean, you guys know that that, that, that bar is much lower in the U.S. You do something with $10, you're going to get taxed by somebody some way, right? <laughs> the government's going to get theirs. So it's, it's certainly true with some of these headlines, but I don't want this to be a headline-chasing exercise. So tonight, I want to, first of all, have some fun. And then we're going to have even more fun as we talk about things that really aren't fun. But at the end of the day... Tonight's discussion, this Pastor's Prophecy Hour is going to be about monkeypox. So get ready. Adult vaccination programs, one world religion, one world government, Mandela effect, <laughs> idolatry. So let's start with the Mandela effect. How many of you guys have heard of the Mandela effect? Okay. The Mandela effect is this idea that you remember it one way, in reality it wasn't that way at all. So let me first start on the outside tangents of <laughs> common sense. Can you, can you go with me? Go, it's a fun place. Go with me. On July 5th, I believe it was, CERN, as we talked about a while back, restarted. So we know from a while back as they did that, they had all these ceremonies that went with it and it was occultic in nature and it was demonic in nature and they're trying to find the God particle. We know about all that. And then they turned it off. Thank God. And then they turned it back on. So I'm assuming that they probably turned it off because COVID, because everything was turned off due to COVID, right? And so they turned it back on and there is weird things lining up with that date. One of them is this. There's a restaurant that some of us have been to called Chick-fil-A. Anybody familiar with Chick-fil-A? Now, I want one person to, to raise their hand and tell me how to spell Chick-fil-A. One person, Emily. Okay, I got a C-H-I-K and a C-H-I-C. So how many of you guys think that's how you spell it? C-H-I-K, filet. Raise your hand if that's it. Okay. <laughs> okay, here we have it. Show me the building with that on it. There it is. That is a building. C-H-I-K, filet. Now, show me the modern there's another one. Okay, there it is. Okay, C-H-I-C-K. So there's two buildings. So who in their right mind, Chick-fil-A, says, you know what? Let's rebrand it and change the spelling on all the buildings and all the cups and all the napkins literally overnight. You with me? <laughs> Here we are living in the fringe in another dimension. So when they turned that thing back on, we left C-H-I-K filet and went over to C-H-I-C-K filet. Is that in the Bible? No. It's not. And I do not believe that we're in another dimension. 
but I want you to see something. I can't make sense of that. Anybody else? Can we just say it's weird and say it's not going to mess with our eternity? You with me? So you see that there are people and there are schools of thought and there are chat rooms and there are video series that commit themselves to the Mandela effect and how we are in another dimension and that the Superman in this dimension is meaner than the Superman in that dimension. And so it's proving the point really that if we're not careful, we're going to end up worrying about things that we really shouldn't be worried about. You with me? All I know is the chicken's still good, no matter how they spell I don't care how they spell it. They can tell me. I'll spell it that way. <laughs> well, let's get into the next one. I want to talk to you about this thing called the Georgia Guidestones. There is um, a picture here of these Georgia Guidestones. We talked about this before, and if you weren't here for that, then I need to catch you up a little bit that there is this thing that's kind of like Stonehenge in the middle of nowhere in Georgia that just appeared. And no one knows where it came from, who paid for it, who built it, or anything like that. There is one story out there that I'll share with you at this time. Wyatt Martin, the president of Granite City Bank, which helped construct the Georgia Guidestones, said that he was the only one to have met Christian. There is these quotes these tenets on the Georgia Guidestones, one of them being that the human population must get back to 500 million to make room for nature. How many of you guys, you guys know we, we got more than 500 million people in the earth? By a little, a lot. And so one of the things on the Georgia Guidestones is that it needs to be at 500 million. That's the perfect number in order to make room for nature, right? So this thing is signed by a name, and it's simply Christian. Christian. Back to the story. Martin told the magazine, who he has said that Granite City Bank, who built the Guidestones, met Christian in person one time. His name is Robert Christian, but that wasn't his real name. And the man had told Martin to destroy all records, all documents related to the project, not to disclose the information to anyone else. Martin said that his group which was not named, had been planning the Guidestones in secret for 20 years and wanted everyone to remain anonymous. And when he told me what it was, he and this group wanted to do it, and I just about fell over, Wyatt Martin says. I told him, I believe you'd just be well off as taking the money and throwing it in the street in the gutters. He just sort of looked at me and shook his head, like he felt kind of sorry for me and said, you don't understand. Martin also said that Robert Christian had the funds and the ability to charter a private plane and wanted to spend that weekend scouting locations from the air according to the interview. He said he was going to send money from different banks across the country because he did not want it to be traced to any one bank. Made it clear that it was, he was very serious about secrecy. So far, no individual or organization has come forward to take responsibility for commissioning the Godstones or building the Guidestones. Why are the Guidestones important? First of all, the Guidestones have become a source of a lot of occultic activity. Many people have testified that when they went to see these Guidestones, like they did at Stonehenge, that they felt something dark, ominous immediately, especially those that are believers. Now, something happened to these Guidestones. This is an old picture. The Guidestones are gone right now. 
they've been bulldozed. But something happened in the last few weeks at the Georgia Guidestones. Something amazing, something supernatural. They said it was an earthquake. I don't know how an earthquake makes it crack at the top like that. Many said it was a bomb. Well, wouldn't the bomb leave a crater at the bottom, right? There is footage of what many consider to be a lightning strike on the Georgia Guidestones. Why is this important? Because many Luciferian Satanist people look at that as an anchor in the United States that says we have laid claim. There's a Bible story where they put the Ark of the Covenant in the temple. I believe it was Dagon, Philistine God. Was it Dagon? And they come back later and Dagon has fallen over and is prostrate before the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. They take him, dust him off, and lean him back up. The very next day, they come back, and Dagon is destroyed. They can't lean him back up anymore. Well, we got to take the Ark of the Covenant out of here because this isn't going to work. At the end of the day, God only tolerates so much. Right? So the whole idea that I believe that God had tolerated this enough. Many people have testified that, that the Georgia Guidestones not only is a place of occultic activity, but uh, there are pictures that I've shared with you before that you can see on top of that top stone dried blood that looks like it was used as a place for sacrifice. I say all that to say there's evil in the world, but there's a God who's still in control, and he's not going to stand for it much longer. So... The Georgia Guidestones, I believe, tonight at this Pastor's Prophecy Hour, the title of it is really the beginning of the end. And it, it feels, at least to me, that we've been talking about the beginning of the end for a long time. I remember being a kid and listening to prophecy teaching, uh, being a pastor's kid, listening to prophecy teaching all the time. And uh, this conclusion was, that Jesus is coming soon, we need to be ready. And, and then I remember thinking as a child, as a teenager, that what has taken so long? But now I'm in my 47th year of life, and years pass faster and faster and faster to me. So if you're outside of space and time like God is, then how quickly must it pass? So for Jesus to say, behold, I'm coming soon, we know that the scripture says a day is like a thousand years, that he is coming soon. Now we look around and say, the world can only take so much. The headlines are screaming every day. Something has taken us further and further away from God's plan. I would say this, I'm paying more attention to the immorality and the falling away of the, of, of, of the world and even of the people in the church Guys, remember, it is quickly becoming denominational norms to abandon Scripture. They say, well, we don't, we don't use that part. We, we don't apply that part. And I remember sharing with you all that one of the greatest signs of the end is not revival, yet a great apostasy falling away. Now, I'm praying for God, give us revival. Lord, if you would smile on us again, that we would be used to reach the lost, 
I want to see that. I, I, I desire that. I have a burden for that. Yet, before the end, if this is the beginning of the end, and if this is the falling away that is to come, then the falling away will only accelerate. How much more so should we be engaged with the lost? So tonight, 2 Peter chapter 2. I'm reading from the English Standard Version tonight. 2 Peter chapter 2. I'd like to just put us on blast. Verse 1 says, The false prophets also arose among the people, speaking of the end times. Just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality. I want to stop in verse 1. Bringing upon them swift, themselves swift destruction. One of the signs of our days is the deterioration of the church that almost not all the way almost across the board denominations are experiencing a decline there are less and less people showing up there are less and less people engaging there are less and less people being involved in ministry there's literally hundreds and thousands of churches in our nation that have zero salvations on a year-to-year basis They're not baptizing anyone. There's no power in the church. And the scripture says that these false teachers and false prophets will bring destructive heresies. There's a church in New York called Grace Church that I believe it was last week. No, it was two weeks ago. They had a service where they brought in someone who was had a stage name the queen of new york so it was a school chapel service with high school and middle school students in this grace church that had a christian school and i did not use the video or give you pictures on purpose because it's not something that we need to look at and especially in this setting this person that's leading the chapel introduces the queen of new york and A man in drag comes down the aisle, hooping and hollering, and the man on the microphone says, stand up, stand up, give it up for the Queen of New York. And these kids now find themselves standing in a church sanctuary, hooping and hollering for this person as they walk down the aisle. Here's the thing, bringing upon themselves swift destruction I don't know if you've driven by an empty church building lately, but a lot of the times those church buildings are empty because they've walked away from the gospel. Many will follow, verse 2, their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. Sensuality, immorality, indecent behavior now celebrated as something to be encouraged Accepted. The last days certainly upon us. Verse 3 says, And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle. Their destruction is not asleep. 
For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until their judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon them, the world of the ungodly. If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. In this passage, we see the example of Noah, and then we see the example of Sodom and Gomorrah. So we see here that the righteous was saved, taken out of the world before the judgment, which is why we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Yet Sodom and Gomorrah is used as a direct line to illustrate the evil that brought about this ultimate judgment, the, what I would consider, tolerance of God had been spent. We see that in verse 7, he rescued Lot, who was greatly distressed by the sexual conduct of the wicked. For as the righteous man, catch this one with me, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Watch this video, this mother. Does your mom say you have to be LGBT? Um, no. no. I think she's what I want to be, but some. Hold but. On. Go ahead, Lex. Go ahead. Keep talking. Say what you're saying. Um, my mom doesn't matter if I'm up if I am gay or lesbian or any of that. She doesn't care. All she cares about is that I'm a part of it. And if I'm not a part of it, she'll try to convince me to uh, um, get, join it. Cause I. What are you saying right now? Facts. That I would convince you to join what? The LGBTQIA plus. Says there that. Lot, being a righteous man, lived day after day and was tormented by the lawless deeds that he saw and heard. If that don't break your heart, I don't know what does. But let me, let me just help, because this is about, yes, the end times. Yes, this is about where our world has become. But, I mean, I had a conversation today with someone that we're not supposed to judge people which is true biblically we are not to judge people that don't know Christ we are to judge within the church and encourage one another towards righteousness but when they don't have knowledge of good and evil salvation when they have not experienced that then we are not to judge in that way we but we are to have a burden right and so for us talking and speaking in love our reaction, at least my reaction, if I could be candid to that video, is like, don't let me catch that person. Anybody else with me? But what is the reaction that we are to have as Jesus followers? Because at the end of the day, all three of them on that video are lost. And yet, I wonder if people that are sitting in pews of some churches somewhere that celebrate the person walking down the aisle in this manner, that those people are now 
not just lost, but the church has lost their chance. Why, why would they go if it's no different than what's outside? And that's our challenge. <laughs> How can we show people that it's different here? That, that it's different in a Bible-believing church? Well, in verse 9, it says, Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and, and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. So, believer, your life is that testimony of, wow, how are you not stressed? How are you at peace? How do you have joy when all of these things are going on in the world today? Well, it's because I have Jesus. How, how are you kept, rescued, as the scripture says? How are you rescued from the trials that everybody else is facing? Well, it's because I have Jesus and I try to live my life in a godly way. But what does that even mean? And we're able to give that answer. He protects the righteous. And this is biblical. And he keeps the unrighteous under punishment. How many of you guys have ever had the question, how does God allow things to happen? Well, isn't it one of the most loving things as a parent to bring correction to the child? in the hopes of allowing them to turn back towards the path they need to be on? And it isn't the most loving thing of God Almighty to bring correction and allow things to happen in people's lives so they can come to a place where I am destroying my life. Why would I keep doing this to myself? Verse 10, it says, The punishment until the day of judgment keeps the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. And then it goes on to say, And especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. So the scriptures categorically puts two things in place here. Lust, defiling passion, which it doesn't take long to connect the dots to other passages in Romans and Corinthians. It doesn't take long to figure out that these are just perversions in a sexual nature. And it's not one specific thing, it's many. Because if it's not what God designed it for, sex within the covenant of marriage, then it's a perversion. Right? Now, I know perversion goes way out there. But at the end of the day, it says here that these are two categories. It surprised me when I was reading it that you have this uh, uh, sexual sin, uh, then you have despising authority. <laughs> All right. Everyone bend your toes in. Because there's a lot of people that despise the authority right now in our nation. Stop. The scripture does not tell us to despise authority. It tells us to pray for our authority. Now you could pray for revival and deliverance and wisdom and everything you want to pray for. But there is something within us as people that says we pick sides. Can I tell you, we're picking sides in the wrong place. 
we're picking sides down here, what we need to do is to remember the sides that we pick is up here in the heavens, right? And, and not get, you know, certainly it's important for us to be educated, but we get caught up in picking sides down here. And, and it distracts from what we're supposed to be about sometimes. Despising authority. The other thing about despising authority is not political in nature. It's everybody that tells me I'm wrong is a bigot. Right? If you're telling me I'm in sin, then you must be a bigot. If you're telling me I can't love who I want to love, you must be a bigot. If you're telling me I can't have what I want to have, you must be a bigot. That's despising authority. So the signs of the end of times in 2 Peter chapter 2 is that there is an unrighteous that the unrighteous are under punishment until the day of judgment, that the righteous are kept from trials, that he rescues the godly, pre-trib rapture. Verse 13. I'll, I'll read through the, the rest of it. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the righteous ones, whereas angels, though greater than in might and power do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord, but these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage of their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in it daytime, they are blots and blemishes revealing in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. Accursed children, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved to gain from wrongdoing, but he was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke to the human with a human voice, restrained the prophet's madness. Verse 17, there are waterless springs and mists driven by the storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved for the speaking of loud boasts of the folly. They entice, catch this, and sensual passions of the flesh, those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. Y'all, there's this thing, this reality that in transgender community, 82%, 82% have considered suicide seriously. 40% have acted upon it. Now, you need to know that is somewhere between four and six times greater than any other category of people. Veterans with PTSD, people in prison for life, that, that is more than any other category of people. And yet the promise is you live how you want. Here's the freedom that we will give you. We'll celebrate this with you. And yet 
The promise of freedom is really amassed bondage to their own misleadings. Where are we today as a world? We, we laugh, maybe, maybe you don't, but it is silly, the name at least, monkey pox. And as it hit the headlines and they begin to say, maybe we need masks and maybe we need, you know, <laughs> shutting things down. Maybe we need these things. But then, admittingly, the, the leader of the NIH this lady gets on there and has an interview, and, and as they're interviewing, she's saying that this has now moved from the adult population into children as they're saying, how did this happen? How did monkeypox move into children? This is staggering. And she says, quote, well, monkeypox is primarily an issue for men who have sex with men. That's the quote. This Child is a case in which there was, quote-unquote, prolonged exposure to men who have sex with men. What in the world does that mean, friends? I'll let you read in between the lines. And before you are fooled to believe that this is something like COVID, at HealthSite.com, at CNBC, and the list goes on, and many, many gay rights sites have published articles to say things like, why is this a gay problem? Why is this in the gay community? What can we do to curb the problem? The agency interviewed 152 monkeypox patients, healthsite.com, of which 81% were found to be London residents. Out of these interviewed, 99% were men who identified as bisexual or gay, or it even says, it doesn't say gay. It says men who have sex with men. The article doesn't say gay. It says men who have sex with men. In this data, 151 of 152 identified as men who have sex with men. It goes on. Anyone can get monkeypox particularly if you had close contact, including sexual contact with an individual with symptoms. It's so strange. It's, 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 it's word gymnastics. It's not a sexual transmitted disease, but 99.6% of the cases happen in this way. So what I read is that the 0.4 that's left over just didn't admit that that's what they did. It has symptoms like flu, fever, headache, muscle aches, chills, exhaustion, swollen lymph nodes. Then it prog progresses to body rashes of face, hands, feet, and other areas. Becomes blisters that are unbearable. Uh, read in Romans how men abandon sexual relationships for the way God intended to do things with other men paid the price in their own bodies now I grew up in the 80s and in the 80s there was a whole lot of preachers that would stand behind pulpits and say AIDS is a curse and there was there was a there was some people that would say amen and there was some people that say oh me 
And then there was everything in between. But at the end of the day, in the 80s, that's how it was being spread. It's a sexually transmitted disease. However, what we find now is that with this thing called monkeypox, which I believe they either have changed the name already or they're in the process because of the name, which can I just ask this question and then not lose track? How did it get from a monkey? I mean, in all seriousness, somebody somewhere, right? How far we've come. Back to the situation. Maybe that's the 0.4% person. I don't know. <laughs> Stop. Get serious. Stop. <laughs> Sorry. Revelation 16, 9. Revelation 16, 9. What is one of the things that's going to happen at the end? The scripture says they were scorched with fierce heat. They cursed the name of God they had, who had power over these plagues. They did not repent or give him glory. There's these plagues that talk about sores verse 2 the first angel poured out his bowl on the earth and harmless and painful harmful not harmless harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshiped his image another lesson for another day is what the mark of the beast looks like we're going to go over it again because I've, I've learned some things since last we talked is monkeypox the reality in Revelation chapter 16, verse 2, I, I don't think so. I also don't believe the vaccine's the mark of the beast, <laughs> right? And, and we talked about that. But I believe our world is moving steadily to a place where this particular disease has a lot of similarities of what the disease of Revelation 16.9 or 16.2 will look like. And people are not saying, oh, you know what? Maybe the best thing for me is to abstain from my activities. I'm, I'm watching videos and I'm reading articles and I'm learning of interviews of people saying, yeah, you know what? I kind of had some symptoms. I felt a little bit fluey, but I went to the bathhouse anyway. Because we planned a party weekend with a bunch of people. And there's no repentance and there's no remorse. And it's just, why would God make me sick like this? What is, the pro what is the problem? There's a failure to look internally because, frankly, guys, if I could just be honest, this preacher needs you to know that I'm not standing from a pulpit like a preacher in the 80s saying this is the curse and they should just live in it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying God help us to help them to show them that Jesus loves them. Stop. There's a better way. There's a better life. There's a, there's a Lord who loves you. you. You don't have to live in this reality. <laughs> Let's get to the next thing. 2017, France's leader, Emmanuel Macron, met with United Arab Emirates, Leader Mohammed bin Zayed, Emmanuel Macron, when he came to power, called together a meeting, summoning over 900 politicians of both houses of the French parliament to a rare congress at the palace of Louis 
the 14th, whom many referred to as the Sun King. He threatened to overrule lawmakers with a referendum if they try to frustrate the reforms that he wished to carry out. The assemblies that he was having usually was reserved for times of national crisis, yet he brought them together to tell them that he desired to reign as a Jupiterian president, or like Jupiter, who was a remote, dignified figure. He wanted to be like a Roman god of gods. He was said to not give time to the journalists in France because he was, quote, too complex for them. He followed this up with the meeting with this Muhammad UAE, United Arab Emirates uh, Sheikh and Crown Prince, who had recently met with the Pope to design something we've talked about before, the picture of the Abrahamic house of faith. It's three buildings, a Jewish synagogue, a Catholic church, and a mosque called the Abrahamic House of Faith. The idea is this thing called Chrislam, marrying Muslim and Christ, saying that the God at the beginning of it all is the same God, which is totally wrong. The God of the Bible and the God of the Quran are not the same God. Now, this is under construction already. This is a rendering, but I looked up construction projects. This thing is nearing completion. Why is this important? Because the one who did this, the sheik of the United Arab Emirates, met with Emmanuel Macron, who wants to rule like a god. So what we find is Emmanuel Macron has this ambitious idea that he wants to, listen, he doesn't use the word, but he wants to rule the world like the Antichrist. He doesn't use that word, but that's his ambition. He's trying to bring in these European nations. He's trying to bring in these Middle Eastern nations and say, hey, guys, let me be in charge. And this man who has built the quote-unquote headquarters for what could be the one world religion is now having meetings with the French president, which if you know about it, if you looked at it at all, the French president's a whack job, who, who married a woman over 20 years his senior, I think it's close to 30, who actually molested him when he was underage. Look it up. And now they're married. When I say underage, he was a teenager, but (laughs) still underage. So now they're married, and he's the president of France. And he's meeting with this Arab sheik, and they're beginning to make plans about what's to come. I'll end with this. You may have heard the term symbolism will be their downfall. In the occult, there's a belief that you must show your hand. You must show what you're going to do. And you've noticed there's a lot of celebrities, there's a lot of people out there that use hand symbolism. And if you're paying attention, uh, the occult is throughout. Celebrities, Hollywood, musicians. They say, oh, it's not a real thing that they're selling their soul to the devil. And maybe they don't have that kind of a thing where they're signing a contract. But can I just tell you, it's as real as anything else. That they are, they are going to the enemy to somehow conjure up some kind of agreement that if you'll give me prosperity and power and influence, then I'll quote unquote give you my soul. And many of them say that because they don't think they have a soul anyway because they don't accept God. In the legend of Osirian, Osiris was said to be chopped into 14 pieces. These are gods of Egypt. 
Isis, who's another god, came to, get, came to put him back together to bring him back to life. When she did this, she found all the pieces but one, the male member. And idolatry for thousands of years has had this imagery of the phallus. Consider for a moment that right in front of our very eyes, nations all over the world, starting with ours, being the largest in the world, have things called obelisks. The first one, the Washington Monument. This, friends, is directly connected to the story that I just told you. It comes from an Egyptian idea, an Egyptian concept, birthed by Cleopatra, and nations all over the world, city centers, financial centers, you'll see these things everywhere. I don't care if you don't see people kneeling down around it. It was the ones who built it in the beginning that knew what it meant. I've been there. I took pictures of it. I did not worship it. But in the occult... You have to show your hand. And somewhere along the line, somebody in our history said, we want something that represents an Egyptian god. That is the Washington Monument. Pastor, what are you saying? I just said it. Symbolism, idolatry. The second one, how about Vatican City? It wasn't just a couple of weeks ago that Rome was burning. Remember that? I was unable to find any pictures, mind you, of that obelisk. Because it was just a couple of weeks ago that that was on fire. Yet for some reason, the internet has been scrubbed of any pictures of that today. Now, short of going on a plane... You guys check on it for me when you go to Italy. Go see if it's still there. Victor and Linda are going soon. Take a picture and y'all use it Pastor's Prophecy Hour. Anyway, that's Vatican City. Listen, Vatican City, it's the Catholic Church. If you know, you know. Right? Number three, Paris, France. Number four, Argentina. Number five, another one in Italy. Number six, this is called Cleopatra's Needle. There are hieroglyphics on there that represent idol worship. This is one of three identical obelisks. One in New York, the second one is in Egypt, number seven. Cleopatra's needle again, there's three. Number eight, another one in Egypt. Number nine, we go back to Italy. Rome has these things, three of them. The final one is in Ethiopia. Why Ethiopia? Well, did you know that Ethiopia is one of the core emerging nations for spirit-filled Christianity and for the church? Ethiopian Jews and Ethiopian Christians can trace it all the way back to the book of Acts. So why is that in Ethiopia? Because wherever God shows up, the devil tries to bring a counterfeit. 2 Timothy chapter 3, here's where we're going to stop tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2 in verse 4, it breaks it down like this. In the last days, keep your eyes open for these things. People will be lovers of themselves. Humanism becomes about us. People will be lovers of money, stuff, materialism. 
And finally, people will be lovers of pleasure. Humanists, materialists, and hedonists. All three things, when we look across our society today, it's either about me, or it's about what I got, or it's about me having a good time. None of those things is the gospel. The gospel says that we are in a battle with our flesh, and we are to tell our flesh to be quiet and take a back seat to what the Holy Spirit wants, right? Pray with me. Lord, have your way. Encourage us tonight. Help us to look up with hopeful eyes. But also, God, help us to look around to see the people that need to hear the gospel. Thank you for these precious people that are here tonight. May you encourage them. May you do great and mighty things in this church and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a five-star rating and review. If you'd like to hear more, be sure to subscribe to Pastor's Prophecy Hour on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you'd like to hear more from Greater Life Church, including our Sunday morning services, go to our website, greaterlife.church. 